0: Podcast number 568 for the 12th of November 2017. This week, when it's time to move your applications, settings, and files from an old computer to a new one, you can do it the hard way, or you can spend a few tens of dollars and automate the process. Maybe you've seen websites that offer to multiply your bitcoins by 13 times in less than an hour. If you believe that, please contact me because I have some desert property beneath the Brooklyn Bridge that may also appeal to you. In short circuits, every operating system has quirks and does things in ways that annoy users. Instead of putting up with the annoyances, maybe you'd be happier if you eliminated them. We veer slightly off the technology path this week with a look at the dangers of a detached retina, why it needs immediate attention, and how it can be fixed in spare parts only on the website a hospital in california is using virtual reality as a distraction during medical procedures so that children don't need to be anesthetized online payments need to be made easier and more secure some companies are working on it and maybe you'd like a computer that will survive if you literally throw it out a window wife needed a new computer. The one she'd been using for five or six years was showing serious indications of failure. The hard drive had been reporting errors for months, and we had replaced the cable between the motherboard and the screen. The situation became critical when the screen's backlight failed. Definitely time for a new computer. So we did some research, found a reasonably priced Lenovo computer at Amazon, and ordered it. The computer was advertised as new. It came from an Amazon third-party merchant. I was a bit surprised when the computer arrived because it obviously was not a new computer, unless Lenovo has suddenly started shipping new computers in used boxes without the Lenovo logo. Well, Amazon agreed to take the computer back, and perhaps they have shut down the merchant who represented a used computer as new. I hope so. The new new computer to replace the used new computer arrived two days later, and it obviously was new, in a sealed Lenovo box and with all the stuff you'd expect to be in there. Then I was faced with the need to transfer all of the applications, settings, data, and files, from the old computer to the new one. The old computer was clearly sick. Text on the screen was barely visible, so I hooked up an external monitor. The disk drive in the computer was failing in a way that made it impossible to clone, but all the applications still worked, and the files seemed to still be available and usable. Setting up a new computer is usually a multi-day operation because programs need to be installed and then configured. In many cases, the applications then need to be licensed or activated. I was looking for a better way when I noticed PC Mover from Laplink. Laplink has been around for decades, and PC Mover promised to move all of the settings, most of the applications, and all of the documents from an old computer to a new one. This seemed like a reasonable $40 investment. The instructions told me to be sure that the new computer was completely up-to-date, so that meant installing the Fall Creators Edition update and all the security updates. Installing the Windows updates on the new computer took several hours, and the remainder of the Microsoft updates ran to completion sometime overnight. The following morning, I ran an image backup of the pristine machine and started transferring applications and files with PC Mover. The external monitor was helpful in allowing me to see the progress messages on both systems. That would have been really difficult without the external monitor. PC Mover did exactly what it said it would do. Nearly everything migrated perfectly. I did have to reinstall a photo application and tweak the application that backs up files from Phyllis's computer to mine, but this was by far the fastest and easiest migration I've ever experienced. LapLink also displays prominently a phone number for assistance, but given the complete and accurate instructions provided at every step of the way, I wonder if anybody ever calls that helpline. PC Mover can use your own wired or wireless network or a USB connection between the two computers, but the best option seems to be a special network cable between the Ethernet ports of the two computers. Using the cable makes the transfer at the highest possible rate, it doesn't bog down your home network. PC Mover was even able to deal with the old computer's deteriorating disk drive, so I consider $40 or so that I spent to license PC Mover one of the best investments I've ever made. Bottom line for PC Mover has to be five cats. Quickly and easily migrate anything and everything from one computer to another. Absolutely foolproof instructions make transferring files, applications, and settings from one computer to another easy. In addition to detailed instructions in a file on the installation disk, there is a quick start brochure that describes all of the critical steps. And once you launch the PC Mover application, on-screen instructions cover every step. It might be possible to make a mistake, but only if you work really hard at it. You'll find additional details on the LapLink website. There's a link from the TechBiter Worldwide website. Probably, if somebody approached you with an offer to take your $100 investment and return $1,300 to you 40 minutes later, you would suspect a con. That, however, is what some crooks are doing with Bitcoin currency. It sounds way too good to be true. And, except for the crook, it is too good to be true. As I started writing this report on Tuesday, the value of one Bitcoin was a little more than $7,000 dollars. The value of bitcoins has been rising dramatically in the past few months, and that, coupled with the fact that few people really understand how bitcoin and blockchain technologies work, make it relatively easy for scammers to take your bitcoins and return to you nothing at all. A Google search will reveal several sites that offer to multiply your bitcoins. And why Google can't get rid of these, well, that's a question for another time. However, visiting bitcointalk.org immediately reveals the scam for what it is. Someone had posted a question. Is there any genuine Bitcoin multiplier? And that was followed by answers like these. First, no, there aren't. All such multipliers are a scam. They just steal Bitcoins from the investors. Even a multiplier as small as 0.1% per hour is a scam. Second, dude, no! No free lunches around here. Please, be safe. And third, if you refer to Ponzi scheme multipliers, then no, since every single one of them is controlled by the operator who can walk away at any time. So unless it's an open source and publicly available code, don't expect it to be genuine. So 13 times your original investment in less than an hour is absurd. Let's take a less extreme example and see how absurd even that is. For sake of example, let's assume you start with $1, and the person running the Ponzi scheme says you'll double your money in one day. Seeing a chance of gain, you decide to invest $100. So on Monday, you have $100, which doubles to 200 the following day, then 400 and so on. At this rate, your $100 would be worth $12,800 in one week, and $1,639,400 in just two weeks. Clearly, that's impossible. And yet some people will fall for it. The greedier you are, the more you'll lose. Invest $100, lose $100. Invest $1,000, lose $1,000. Invest $10,000, lose $10,000. That math is both linear and easy to understand. Malwarebytes is reporting a variant of this con. A site offers a 13 times return in just 40 minutes, and then asks for your email address and Bitcoin address. Once you've provided that information, you'll be taken to a new page where you'll have the opportunity to send your payment to a Bitcoin address. Do that, and your money will be gone forever. But it might be even worse. Some people report that the site loads malware onto the computer and then encrypts their files. To regain access to their files, the unfortunate user must pay a ransom. So, as with all other offers that seem just too good to be true, this is one to avoid. In short circuits, let's talk about operating systems. Now, whether it's Windows 10 or the Mac OS High Sierra, or just about any version of Linux. They're far easier to customize today than they ever have been. So that makes me wonder why so many people fail to make changes and instead just grumble about things they don't like. Inertia probably explains some of it. In fact, sometimes I ignore something, even though I know there's probably a way to change it. That works if the annoyance is something that I encounter rarely. Eventually, though, the annoyance will become a frustration, and I'll look for a way to fix it. So this week we'll take a look at some of those, just a few of them, and if they bother you, how to change Windows. Again, keep in mind you can do these kinds of things on any operating system. I'm just using Windows as an example here. The start menu may frustrate you. Now Microsoft has made a lot of changes to the start menu since the advent of computers with touch screens. It has changed so many times that I rarely use it. Instead, I just create a two-level taskbar and pin all of my commonly used applications there. I also remove some of the default icons from the taskbar, ones I don't need or would use so rarely that I just don't want them taking up valuable real estate there on the taskbar. For example, there is an icon for task view, but pressing the Windows key and tab displays the task view, so I don't need an icon. Space on the taskbar is too valuable for that kind of icon, likewise Cortana. Although the computer is a laptop, it stays on the desk and I hide the location icon too. Changing to small icons for the taskbar and hiding the taskbar labels provides room for approximately 90 program icons in addition to the start button and some of the information in the notification area. If your computer has a touchpad and you use a mouse, accidentally touching the touchpad can place the cursor where you don't want it. Although Windows still doesn't have a control that allows users to disable the touchpad, some manufacturers, Lenovo for example, provide a utility that can accomplish this. If not, the touchpad in Device Manager may have such a setting. Alternatively, a registry edit can be used, but registry edit should always be the last choice. There is always a little bit of danger there. And how about Cortana? Well, Cortana continues to improve and might be helpful. You'll need to activate her and decide whether you want her to listen to you all the time or respond only when you press her hot button, so to speak. Because Cortana sometimes thinks I'm talking to her when I record the podcast, I use the hot button. It's the Windows key and C. One of the most frustrating annoyances for me occurs when a new application assumes that I want it to be the default application when I click a document icon in Windows Explorer. Opening the default apps section of the control panel looks weak because it simply lists a few applications, email, maps, music player, photo viewer, video player, in Web Browser. However, scroll down a bit and you'll see these words, Choose Default Apps by File Type. Click that and Windows will display a huge list of file types, everything found on your computer. For me, that's everything from .001 to .ZTR. Then you can specify the application that Windows will use to open each and every kind of file. Or maybe you just don't like the way Windows looks. Well, every new version of Windows 10 brings finer control to the system's appearance, including the ability to change colors used on most of the interface. Now it's also possible to switch the overall default app mode from light to dark. Now note that this affects only the Metro Modern Fluent apps, not desktop applications. Night mode is also available. That's a feature that was first introduced in mobile devices to change the overall color from the daylight bluish appearance of screens to a warmer, incandescent look. This is not a good choice if you edit photographs on the computer in the evening, but a warmer color can be used at nighttime, and it seems to be more restful. Now clearly what I've covered here is just a tiny selection of the thousands of changes that can be made to ensure that Windows works and looks the way you want it to. If something about the way Windows or the Mac OS or Linux works annoys you, a quick Google search will often lead you to a satisfying conclusion. Beware, though, that not all recommendations are created by equally helpful people. There is a Linux command that, if executed from the root directory by a user with sufficient permissions, will delete every file and directory on the disk. I have actually seen this command recommended as a way for a user to fix a problem. Other users usually step in before any serious damage can be done. Similar, equally dangerous commands are possible on the Mac OS and Windows. So it's a good idea to accept recommendations only from well-regarded advisors on trustworthy forums, and after identifying a possible solution for a problem you have, it's probably wise to obtain a second opinion from a second site. Occasionally, TechBiter Worldwide veers off the technology track a bit. This is one of those times. In October, the retina in my right eye detached partially. That's an event that, if diagnosed early, can usually be successfully repaired. When the symptoms are ignored, the result can be blindness. So I thought I'd take a little time this week to talk about it. Those who are nearsighted are more at risk for retinal detachment. I'm nearsighted. Those who have had cataract surgery are more at risk for retinal detachment. I have had cataract surgery. Those over the age of 50 have an increased risk of retinal detachment. Well, I might qualify there too. And none of those risk factors guarantees that retinal detachment will happen, but they do need to be taken into account. The ophthalmologist who performed my cataract surgery warned me to be aware of these factors. A decade later, when I noticed what I thought might be an indication of retinal detachment, I called it to the attention of my current ophthalmologist during the annual exam. He saw no indication of detachment. Several weeks later, though, I scheduled a follow-up appointment and showed the ophthalmologist an image that I'd created with Photoshop to illustrate what I was seeing. He sent me two ophthalmologists who specialize in retinal detachment, and they immediately saw the problem in the right eye. They also noticed that the left eye showed signs of retinal detachment. They immediately performed a laser procedure on the left eye to stabilize it, and scheduled surgery the following week for the right eye. So this is really important. If you notice a loss of peripheral vision in either eye, it's important to get it checked out right away. Detached retinas don't heal themselves, but surgical procedures can keep the detachment from worsening and often can restore vision to the affected areas. I've been really lucky. The detachment affected peripheral vision in the left side of my right eye, an area that's totally covered by the left eye, Additionally, I am left-eyed. We all have dominant eyes, just as we're either right-handed or left-handed. So the problem affected my non-dominant eye. And finally, I'm fortunate to live where talented eye surgeons are available. My eye surgeon explained that everything had gone as expected, and she thought that the vision would probably return to normal. At this point, a little over a week later, it's in the process of doing that. At the time, I went once again to Photoshop to illustrate what I saw immediately after the surgery. The left eye was normal. The right eye was severely blurry because of a gas bubble that's intended to press the retina against the back of the eye. Currently, vision is returning to my right eye. The gas bubble rises, so it dissipates from the bottom up. That means my vision is beginning to clear from the top down. The bubble also acts like a magnifying glass and the edge of the bubble appears as a transparent dark area between the clearing vision and the still blurred vision. The bubble also wobbles around. That makes the view from where I am sitting a little more amusing than anticipated. Vision should be largely restored within a couple of weeks, and experts say the retina may continue to heal for a year or more. It may take months for vision to completely stabilize after surgery, and new glasses are almost certainly in my future. Retinal Detachment Something to keep an eye out for. Sorry. Spare Parts is not sorry, though, and it's only on the website. This week, a hospital in California is using virtual reality as a distraction during medical procedures so that children don't have to be anesthetized. Online payments need to be made easier and more secure. Some companies are working on it. And maybe you'd like a computer that'll survive if you literally throw it out a window.